Friends, good morning. My name is James. It's great to be with you all this morning and great to be starting a new sermon series, Anatomy of the Soul, looking at emotions in the book of Psalms. Each week we will look at one emotion, but this week we have the ambitious goal of introducing ourselves to the entire book. So if you would turn with me now to Psalm 1, we're going to read Psalms 1 and 2. You'll find this on page 448. As you turn there, some facts about the book of Psalms. Uh, First, it has the most chapters in the Bible, 150 chapters. It is not the longest book in the Bible. It is the third longest book in the Bible after Jeremiah and Genesis. But it does have the longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119, as well as the shortest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 117. Uh, David wrote about half of the Psalms. Uh, Numerous others wrote a collection of the rest, including Solomon and Moses, about One-third of the psalms are anonymous. The earliest psalm was written about 3,500 years ago, and the latest psalm was written about 2,500 years ago. So imagine you wrote a song today. You go home this afternoon, you write a song, and people are still singing it in the year 5,500. That's what we have here in the book of psalms, and I'm looking forward to spending our summer in them together. So let's give our attention to Psalm 1 and 2, starting on page 448 of your Bibles. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage? And the people's plots in vain. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possessions. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Let's stand together and sing again as we ask the Lord to draw near to us in this time and speak to us from his word. Let's pray together. Jesus, we do come to you this morning because you first came to us. You left the glories of heaven to come and get your children. And so here we are, coming to you now in your word, asking that you would 
speak that we might understand your grace and its implications for our lives. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. The book of Psalms. I love this book and I say Psalms. I don't say Psalms. Um, much like I say pasta, not pasta, and taco, not whatever else it is you say. And Elisha, and I'm going to keep on saying Psalms, so just get on board. Okay, people, get on board, right? The book of Psalms is a book I love. Uh, really, from my youth, I grew up in a denomination that sang the Psalms exclusively in worship. We only sang Psalms in worship, and we sang them a cappella, no musical accompaniment. Week by week, we would sing uh, four different Psalms as part of our worship service, and so just came to know and, and, and love this book. You know how words of songs stick in your mind, stick in your heart, that, that these Psalms are, are very uh, just near and dear to me. And they still are. They still play a, an important role in my devotional life. I try and read one every day and you know, often they've been the thing that have kept me afloat through the ups and downs of life. I love this book and I'm looking forward to working through it together and looking at one psalm each week. But first this morning, the ambitious task of preaching on the entire book. And maybe we'll get done by the end of the 515 service uh, starting now. But really what I want to do in this time is give you a sense of the whole in order that we might understand the parts. Uh, You know when you're doing a jigsaw puzzle, you always look at the picture on the front of the box so that you know what it is you're trying to make? Well, imagine a a jigsaw puzzle with 150 pieces, 150 chapters, and you had no idea what it was you were trying to make. Are you making a dinosaur? Are you making a spaceship? Are you making something else? You you have no idea. It would be very hard to try and put these pieces together. Well, in the same way, we need to know what this book is about if we're to make sense of the songs. If not, it tends to become a random collection of, of songs that are played on shuffle without any coherent message from beginning to end. So what is the book of Psalms about? I have a one-sentence summary, but to get there, we need to look at the numbers 2 and the the number 6. 2, 6, 1. That's our sermon today. Great day to take notes. Pull out your phone, pull out that page of your worship guide, and let's start with the number Two. Like all good books, uh, the book of Psalms has an introduction and a conclusion. And the two Psalms that we just read, Psalms 1 and 2, serve as the introduction to this book. And what they do very intentionally is lay out the two major themes that run throughout the entire book. The first two Psalms lay out the two major themes that run throughout the entire book. Theme one comes from Psalm one, and that theme is God's law. Theme one, God's law. Look at it with me, verse one. Blessed is the man, the one, the person who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of mockers. You see the progression from walking to standing to sitting in the way of the wicked, the sinners, the scoffers. He's saying a blessed life. Literally, you can translate this term blessed as as happy. A blessed, happy life doesn't come from following the world's way. Instead, verse 2 says, a blessed and happy life is found when you find your delight in the law of the Lord. 
Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. On his law he meditates day and night. Does it sound strange to our ears perhaps that he would take delight in the law of the Lord? We tend to not to think of taking delight in rules or, or regulations. But the psalmist answers, no, this is not strange. According to the Bible, God's law reveals his will for our lives. God's law is the user manual that shows you how to live a great life. And following God's law will make you flourish. Look at verses 3 and 4. Now the one who obeys the law delights in the law and meditates on the law. Verse 3, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked aren't so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Following God's law, his design for our lives results in our flourishing. Like a tree that is planted by water and a tree that gives fruit in season. A tree that doesn't wither. And this theme, this theme that following God's law is good for us, runs throughout the entire book. Psalm 15, for example, issues a call to faithfulness to God's covenant. Psalm 19 expresses uh, praise to God for the beauty of his law. Psalm 119, that longest chapter in the Bible, explores the wonder and the gift of God's law. So the psalmist is saying, as we introduce this theme, that to live a blessed life, to live a a happy life, to live a full life that you will look back on without regret, to make the most of your time here on earth, to flourish like that tree, be faithful to God's law, live in the way that he designed. Theme one, God's law. Theme two is then introduced in Psalm 2. And that theme is not God's law, but God's Messiah, God's coming Savior. Psalm 2 is a poetic reflection of the, on the events that happened in 2 Samuel chapter 7. In 2 Samuel 7, God promises King David that one day a Messiah, a Savior, will come who will defeat all evil, who will defeat all rebellion, who will then establish God's reign on earth. And Psalm 2 is a a song reflecting upon those events. And you see the psalm concludes, verse 12, Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Blessed are all who take refuge in this coming Messiah. In other words, to live a blessed, happy, happy life, you don't simply need to follow God's design for your life, but you must take refuge in the Messiah he has sent. And again, this theme of the coming Messiah runs right throughout the entire book. Psalm 22 is an amazing reflection on all the Messiah will have to do in order to be our Savior. Psalm 72 pictures what life will be like under his rule. Psalm 110 reiterates that the Messiah will come, that he will defeat all evil, that he will conquer all rebellion and bring about God's kingdom. So what's the book of Psalms about? Two themes, law and Messiah. If you want to live a blessed life, a happy life, a full life, to look back without regret to make the most of your time on earth be faithful to God's law and take refuge in his Messiah now that sounds to me like gospel stuff the Psalms 
point us to Jesus and show us how to live as we take refuge in him. They point us to Jesus and show us how to live as we take refuge in him. Two themes, law and Messiah. Now, let's move on to the number six, because we need to see how these two themes play out across six different genres. So, the Psalms can be divided into different categories. There are different types of Psalm, just like you get different types of movie. You get action movies and comedies and horror and science fiction. You get different categories, different genres. Well, so you get different types of psalm. Now, how many categories there are kind of depends upon who you ask. Why? Because you can always subdivide a category further. So comedy becomes romantic comedy and black comedy and slapstick. You can, you can make smaller and smaller categories as long as your heart desires. But for our purposes and the purposes of this study, it's worth noting that there are at least six different types of psalm. Six different types of psalm that we'll read over the course of the next few weeks. First, it begins Psalm 3 with a psalm of lament. And this introduces us to our first category, our first type of psalm, lament psalms. Lament psalms are dark, they are full of anger, they are full of confusion, they are full of pain. Sometimes the psalmist is troubled by his own thoughts, by his own actions. Sometimes the psalmist is troubled by the actions of others. Sometimes the psalmist is even troubled with God himself. Lament psalms draw attention to all that's wrong with our world and ask God to do something about it. Category one, lament psalms. Second category we get in this book are are thanksgiving psalms. And thanksgiving psalms are really a response to lament psalms. A thanksgiving psalm is a praise to God for answered prayer. So often the lament will be restated and then what God did about it will be celebrated and all will be called to give thanks to the Lord. They give thanks for God's work in our lives. That's what the Thanksgiving Psalms do. They draw attention to what God has done for us in response to our laments and give him thanks for it. Number three, the third type of psalm is uh, the confidence psalms. Now, you should think of confidence psalms as those psalms that are written in between lament and thanksgiving. So the psalmists write these psalms when the the, the deep pain of their their sorrow has, has passed. They maybe come out of a really hard and difficult season, but they haven't yet seen how, how God's going to bring resolution to the situation that they're in. So it's on this middle ground of of perhaps uncertainty that the psalmist would express their confidence to God. Deliverance is still to come, but the psalmists have confidence that it will come. So the confidence psalms draw attention to how trustworthy God is, even when we don't know what he's doing. How trustworthy our God is, even when we don't know what he's doing. Fourth type of psalm are the remembrance psalms. And I sometimes think of these as like the the national anthems of Israel. Because what they do is they look back and recount the great things that God has done for the nation. Events like the Exodus, for example. And they praise God for his wonderful works. So the remembrance psalms draw attention to God's past acts of salvation and give hope and faith that he'll do more of the same in 
the future to come. Fifth category is the category of wisdom. These are the Psalms that lay out how God would have us live our lives. They give us principles to help navigate the nitty-gritty or or complicated aspects of our lives. They call out what is foolish. They lift up and extol what is wise. They draw attention to the conundrums of life and equip us to act wisely in them. Sixth and finally, after wisdom, we get psalms of praise. Praise psalms. And these are the psalms that pull out all the stops to celebrate God. Celebrate him for who he is. Celebrate him for what he has done for us. They are happy songs and they're written with an exuberant spirit when all is well and God seems near. He's always the object of praise, of course, but the psalmist will pile up reason after reason after reason as to why we should praise him. They draw attention to the greatness of God and how great it is to follow him. So, number two, law, Messiah. Number six, lament, thanksgiving, confidence, remembrance, wisdom, praise. And when we put these two things together, our two themes and our six genres, you start to get a fuller picture of what the book of Psalms is about, which takes us to our one-sentence summary. Sermon in a sentence for the morning. The Psalms equip us to experience the full range of human emotion that we might be faithful to God's law as we await our Messiah. You say that's a long sentence. It it is. Let me say it again. The Psalms equip us to experience the full range of human emotions that we might be faithful to God's law as we await our Messiah. Consider this sentence with me for a moment. First of all, the Psalms equip us to experience the full range of human emotions. John Calvin once wrote, I've been wont to call the book of Psalms, not inappropriately, an anatomy of all the parts of the soul. Anatomy of the soul, you see where we get our series title from. For, he continues, there is not an emotion of which anyone can be conscious that is not here represented in the book of Psalms as in a mirror. See, for many of us, we kind of fall into one of two, sometimes both inappropriate or unhelpful ways of dealing with our emotions. For some of us, or for some seasons in our lives, emotions sort of become everything. All that matters to us is our emotions, and so we can fall into living a kind of wild or unchecked life wherever our emotions may lead. So if I'm angry with you, then I'm going to give you the cold shoulder, or I'm going to yell at you because I'm angry, and it's authentic of me to express that anger with you. Second inappropriate response to emotions isn't so much to let them run wild and see them as everything, but to see emotions kind of as um, as just fluff. Emotions are fluff. We're going to live a stoic, somewhat cynical life where we stuff these kind of things down and don't allow ourselves to feel. So anger is a sin, and if you feel anger, well, you should stop it. Two unhelpful ways of of dealing with our emotions, seeing them as everything or seeing them as fluff. Well, the Psalms present a much more beautiful way. 
The Psalms tell us we can lament. The Psalms tell us we can give thanks. The Psalms tell us that we can have confidence. We can remember what God has done, that we can act wisely, that we can praise. The Psalms tell us we can feel anger and uncertainty and betrayal and fear and regret and gratitude and contentment and joy. We can feel the full range of human emotions and do so in a God-honoring way. In the Psalms, emotions are part of what it means to be human. And in showing us how to experience them, the book of Psalms show us how to be fully human. Fully human. And so I wonder, this morning or this summer, what emotions we're all struggling with. Do you find yourself angry? Do you find yourself disappointed? Do you find yourself sad? Do you find yourself afraid? Do you find yourself tired? As you sit here in this sermon, do you find yourself bored? Do you find yourself excited, perhaps, hopeful, maybe even bold? Perhaps you don't really know how you're doing. Perhaps there are emotions that you're trying to stuff. How do you feel about yourself, your world, your God? Well, the book of Psalms says, wherever you are, it's okay. It's okay. And they're here to help us process today and every day. The Psalms equip us to experience the full range of human emotions. Second part of our sentence though, yeah, the Psalms equip us to experience the full range of human emotions that we might be faithful to God's law. That we might be faithful to God's law. See, some of us kind of step back from these powerful emotions that life stirs up because we're not really sure what to do with them. So when we feel shame or disgust or contempt, it's easier to put it away, especially if we feel these things toward God. Surely with him, it's a sin to be angry. Well, the Psalms give us a different picture. The Psalms give us a picture of what relationship with God should look like. Direct, yes. Intimate, yes. But above all, honest. Above all, honest. It is an unbelievably honest picture of relationship between humanity and God. There need be no contradiction between experiencing every human emotion and living in a way that honors God. The Psalms teach us how to do both of these things simultaneously. So the Psalms teach us how to live faithfully when all is well and life makes sense. And then they teach us how to live faithfully when nothing is well and life makes no sense. And the Psalms teach us how to live faithfully at at every point in between. They show us how to experience the fullness of life while at the same time giving God glory. And again, all of us at different times in our lives need help here. Perhaps even this morning you're you're experiencing this. Do you have have sorrows in your life that you're just not really sure what you should do with? Do you have perhaps hopes that you feel uncertain that God will ever come through? Are there parts of your life that you've shut down or shut off because with them you just don't really know what to do? Well, again, wherever you are this morning, the Psalms say, it's okay. It's okay. They're here to help us process through these things today and every day in a way that will bring glory to God. So, the Psalms equip us to experience the full range of human emotions that we might be faithful to God's law, finally, as we await our Messiah. As well as equipping us to live in this life, 
The Psalms remind us that this life is not all there is. This life is not all there is. The Messiah that they look to has come. Jesus has sung every psalm. He is the Savior we are to take refuge in. He is our hope for the world to come. But like the Israelites, we still wait. Not for his advent, but for his return. For his return, when all that is wrong will be made right, where all our hopes will become sight. Whatever you're experiencing today, whatever chapter you're in in your life just now, the Psalms remind us that there's more to come, and come it will when our Messiah returns. This theme of Messiah and the restoration of all that is wrong and the celebration of all that is right runs throughout the entire book, but it's also highlighted or reinforced by the book's conclusion too. After our introduction, Psalms 1 and 2, the very first Psalm, Psalm 3, you can see it there, is a Psalm of lament. David begins, O Lord, how many are my foes, written by David in a place of deep torment. And interestingly, lament Psalms go on to dominate the first half of the book. But then there's a turn. As we move into the second half of the book, praise psalms come to the fore until we reach the conclusion, flick with me, a five-part conclusion in Psalms 146 through 150. Now, each of these psalms, 146 through 150, begin and end with the word hallelujah. In our English Bibles translated Praise the Lord. That's what hallelujah means. And you see that. 146 begins and ends that way. 147 begins and ends that way. 148 begins and ends that way. 149 begins and ends that way. 150 begins and ends that way. The book ends on a triumphant note of praise to God. And this shift from lament Psalm 3 to praise Psalm 150 is profound. Because it teaches us something about the nature of the Christian life. The Psalms free us up to acknowledge, yes, the tragic state of our world and the pain we all experience. But then the Psalms look beyond that to give us hope. Gospel faith looks forward. While our lives involve lament, like the book of Psalms, they will end in praise. Praise when the Messiah returns, and this truth gives us courage as we wait. And so this week, in the life of our church, we wept as members miscarried. And we wept as members lost loved ones to death. And in our own lives, we all experience ups and downs. Life happens, life gets hard. But wherever we are, the psalm says, it's okay. They're here to help today and every day until our Lord returns to wipe every tear away. Two themes, law and Messiah. Six genres, lament, thanksgiving, confidence, remembrance, wisdom, and praise. One picture on the front of this jigsaw box. The psalms equip us to experience the full range of human emotion that we might be faithful to God's law as we await our 
Messiah. Jesus, we take refuge in him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your word. And as we've come to it this morning to try and get our arms around this uh, large section of it, we thank you for the, for the truths that it, that it reveals. For the call to recognize your law and the flourishing that is found when we walk in accordance with your design. For the greater call to recognize your Messiah, uh, the one who has redeemed us for all the ways that we weren't able to live in accordance with your law. And we thank you, Lord, for for all the genres too that, that, that teach us that we can come to you as we are, whatever we're experiencing, uh, just, yeah, as we are this morning. And so, Lord, we do pray that in these next few weeks and months, you would, uh, through this book, equip us to experience the full range of human emotions, equipping us to be faithful to your law, equipping us to await our Messiah. These things we pray in his matchless name, Jesus Christ, the one in whom we take refuge. Amen.